Welcome to Kids and Their Dog, a Scooby-Doo movie review and recap podcast. I'm your Hanna-Barbera talking animal Cassidy, and my pronouns are she, her. I'm Lava, they, them. And with us once again for our second anniversary special-tacular, please introduce yourself as you would like to be reintroduced. Hi, I'm Crashing Waves. Uh, my, pronoun, per, my pronouns are they, them, and my friends call me Crash. Ah, welcome back to the show. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been too long. Really, really been too long. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. Um, do you have any special Scooby-Doo developments in your life over the past year? I'm... Regretfully, not really. It's been a very busy year for me mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons. Um, I learned today that Ashley Tisdale of Disney Channel, Mm -hmm. her production company was one of the, apparently she started a production company with her sister, and apparently that production company has a credit on the Velvet and Daphne movie. No, they're just the production company for it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Produced it. Yeah. So I, apparently I need to, I mean, I've been needing to watch Velma and Daphne anyway, but like, this is, like, extra a reason for me to watch it now. Yeah, Daphne and Velma is an incredibly good movie, if you yeah. ask me. I still need to watch it. Well, we're gonna have to watch it soon. Yes. I will say yes. that. I did I did notice that, yeah. Uh, speaking of which, Lava, have you had any Scooby-Doo developments over the past month? No, not really. Okay. Neither have I. But... <laughs> As I mentioned, it's a special tacular, so I'm going to. There we go, nice and loud for the microphone. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> pour myself a mixed beverage. Oh God. I have uh, already started celebrating. I started celebrating with my notes. <laughs> it's a ran raspberry seltzer mixed with a shot of vodka on the rocks and a little bit of lemon juice because I wanted some citrus. Nice. Hmm. That's a drink. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, so, it's our second anniversary special-tacular, and I have received some questions. Uh, so, wait. Let me do the news first. Um, quick, there's, like, two news things, sort of. One of them is specifically relevant to this episode, in that James Gunn made a single tweet about what the plan for Scooby-Doo 3 was supposed to be which got cancelled because it wasn't very popular. Or it wasn't as popular or as profitable as they wanted, despite being pretty profitable. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, apparently, and this is the words of James Gunn on Twitter, Mystery Inc. gang are hired by a town in Scotland who complained they're being plagued by monsters, but we discover throughout the film the monsters are actually the victims, and Scooby and Shaggy have to come to terms with their own prejudices and narrow belief systems. Huh. I feel like that may be... Like- Almost too high concept. Yeah, it feels like it would be a worse version of Goblin King. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Other piece of news, also particularly relevant to this episode only, uh, is that Up Up Down Down, the WWE like video game channel run by Xavier Woods, aka Austin Creed, aka like 
three other names, and I don't know which one's his real one. Um, they do a D&D thing, and for their third season, their celebrity dungeon master is none other than Freddy Prince Jr., Woo. a.k.a. Freddy. <laughs> and that's all the news. <laughs> Exciting. Uh, so, yes, questions. Uh, I put out a call for questions, and we've gotten quite a few. Mm-hmm. So we'll start with the ones here. From Tanner at Sparky Upstart. Current display name. Tanner's been exposed to experimental internet gas. (laughs) (laughs) And their questions are as follows. Question number one. Are you ready? Woo! Let's do it. Uh, Question number two. If this and the preceding live action film were successful enough to start a very long franchise and each franchise added an additional Buffy cast member... How many until we reach the film where one of them is playing Vincent Van Gogh, and who is it? Now, I have a good answer for this, but I want to hear if anyone else has an answer first. I have a question. Uh-huh. Who was the Buffy character added in this movie? I don't know if there actually was. Seth Green. Yeah, that's right. Seth Green was okay. in Buffy for yeah. a little bit. Gotcha. Is, is that the nerdy guy? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's and... Patrick Wisely. Yeah. I never um... watched Buffy, so I didn't yeah. know. I have never really cared for Buffy, so... This question... I started watching Buffy, and then they took it off of Netflix when I was in the middle of, like, season three or something. Aww. Yeah. Um, so, d- does anyone have a pitch for a Scooby-Doo that where Vincent Van Gogh's in it? I'm curious what your pitch is. Yeah, I kind of want to hear yours. So how long would it take until we got there? No, that would be Scooby-Doo movie number three, my friends. Yeah. Um, because as you may have figured out, in Scooby-Doo 1, this time the monsters are real. In Scooby-Doo 2, this time the monsters, they're real. <laughs> so why not in Scooby-Doo 3 have the monsters be real? <laughs> Look, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, and of course, you know, at that point, you might as well bring in Vincent Van Gogh and have it be about like real ghosts or something, mm-hmm. you know, the, to the chest of the 13 ghosts. Uh, and then it would be Vincent Van Gogh would be played by the guy who plays Giles. Yeah, I could see that. He's like a older, vaguely English gentleman. Okay, but like also, I feel like Vincent Van Gogh could also be played by the guy who did Spike. But, like, what he looks like now that he's aged past being Spike? I think they're... Yeah, I'd have to take a look. Um, Like, Giles isn't the perfect fit because Vincent Van Gogh is very much supposed to be Vincent Price. Mm -hmm. Like, knocked off. Yeah. Yeah, I think... um, If I'm not mistaken... The actor who played Spike is also in Runaways as one of the Runaways' parents. Mm. And he he can he can serve up some Vincent Price if he. He's really... got very strong cheekbones. Yeah, no, yeah. you're right. This is Vincent Van Gogh. This is the Vincent Van Gogh we need. Yeah, like he's like he he's aged well, of course, because he's a you know he's a person with means, which means he can take care of himself and his face. But yeah, he's he's definitely aged well. God, what is going on with his cheekbones? Goodness. <laughs> They're like fully concave. <laughs> okay. Um, so next question. 
Is this just an elaborate Five Nights at Freddy's AU? I don't know enough about FNAF, but yes. I could see it. I don't know about the later uh, games. I know the later games get extra weird because there's a second location and then also there's one that takes place in a kid's bedroom, I think. Okay, I do know about that, yeah. Um, I thought there was more, though. At that point, I don't know what any of that's going on. There's a, isn't there like an RPG one? I, I didn't know if that no one idea. was can like canonical. I just thought that was like yeah. There's a lot of mods. A side game, not mods, but you know. Um, but yeah, I could definitely see the situation of we put the suit in a machine and now it's alive, being a FNAF thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Uh so Tanner's <laughs> next question. <laughs> How many 10,000 volt go? Sorry, 10,000 watt. Is it watt, watt or volt? Volt. Okay, 10,000 volt ghosts. Does it take to screw in a light bulb? None of them can. They all explode. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. no matter how many ghosts you get, they all make the light bulbs explode. It's It only gets worse the more you add. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, this one is for Animal Crossing people. So, which member of Mystery Inc. Are which members of Mystery Inc. are Zipper Respectors? Zipper is the bunny from the Bunny Day event in Animal Crossing, and oh, they have a zipper on the back of the of their body, and they're like, "No, don't! It's nothing. It's this isn't a suit. This is just my body. I'm not a mascot character. I'm not a person in a mascot suit." Ooh. I think I think Shaggy and Scooby would tolerate zipper i think zipper's got too much manic energy for them well see no it's 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 like at first they'd be fine at first they'd be fine and then the moment that like i feel like velma would notice point it out to the gang and then of course the uh, shaggy and scooby start acting weird and like they wouldn't be able to put like they wouldn't be able to be cool about it and then they would like tip zipper off and then there'd be a chase sequence I feel like them interacting with Zipper would be like the scene in this movie where they start interacting with Patrick, who's doing the bad guy routine. Oh. Mm. And they're just like on edge the entire time. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Next question is, what's the airspeed velocity of an unladen American pterodactyl ghost? (laughs) I didn't see that one. Oh gosh, I was never good at aerodynamics in physics. I'm sorry. I cannot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a uh, it's from Monty Python, isn't it? Isn't that the yeah yeah yeah? But you can't do the double reverse question because they did specify American. <laughs> um, let me double check to make sure. I'd imagine it's an average number based on their overall speed. Yeah. Um, at that point, it would come into the question of, well, what's the average airspeed of a very large bird? Right. Probably start with, like, an albatross. You know. Yeah, I'm look at the airspeed of a velocity of an albatross. And start then we'll there. calculate based off of its, um, you know, wingspan. Mm-hmm. Figure it out from there. But also, it's a pterodactyl ghost, and do pterodactyl ghosts really, like... Do they, they really ob- obey the laws of physics? 
Especially when the ghosts are real. <laughs> so an albatross can soar at its 16 meters per second cruise airspeed at the minimum wind speed needed to support dynamic soaring. <laughs> That's pretty quick meters per second. Jeez. Gray-headed albatross can hit the top speed of 127 kilometers per hour. Dang. Um, so I think at that point you are looking at a top speed of, you know, I'm going to say it's Seeing how it's 78.9, I'd say a pterodactyl ghost could probably cap out at, like, 90. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, that's not airspeed. That's horizontal speed, but they don't have the information for the albatross on this page for airspeed. <laughs> airspeed would actually be much faster based on comparing some of these other ones. Well, that airspeed's calculating based off of a dive, because it's not horizontal. That would be vertical, and that would make it go faster. Okay, you're going to make me start doing math, and while I would love to do math on this podcast, that's not what this podcast is for. <laughs> um, Final tweet from Tanner, because I did also say, like, oh, if you have a favorite episode, tell us. Um, Tanner says their favorite episode was Alien Invaders. Speaking of which, their final question is, y'all ever buy that helicopter? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, we haven't, but I'm proud to introduce our new Patreon goal of 20, er, at $10,000 a month, we will purchase a helicopter and I will take flying lessons. <laughs> no, it wouldn't be $10,000, it'd be much more than that. Yeah. Because I have to, have to pay for helicopter upkeep, and that's like a whole thing. And I think, don't you need a license in some places? Yeah, I mean, once I buy it, and then, you know, I have to take the classes. Yeah. I'll fig- I'll do the math on the numbers and then I'll put it on there. <laughs> and if you make it happen, you've made it happen. <laughs> uh, next question here from Janine at Janine Juliet, who asks, which monster should have stayed leashed? Mm. My answer is the zombie. The zombie is incredibly gross and has no redeeming qualities. Agreed. Like, even Minor 49er gets to have a, a funny gag moment. I don't remember the zombie at all. The zombie is the, like, pale-faced green one. He get, it vomits on a guy. Yeah, he, get, he gets pantsed and throws up. And drives a semi-truck. Oh, uh, okay, gotcha. I remember. Now, I, now yeah. Like, yeah, they, the... they, they should have just replaced the... They should have gone with the creeper instead of the zombie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, is there a Scooby movie at the bottom of the list you would actually recommend, and under what circumstance? Um, uh, let me pull up the list. Um, I always had I'm only, I can only think of two movies that are at the bottom of the list, and I wouldn't recommend either of them, really. So let me take a look at what else is down there. Uh, I would not recommend Boo Brothers, because that one made me furious. Oh, yeah. Mm-mm, hold on, I would like I would recommend Boo Brothers if you like Scrappy Doo a lot. Okay, yeah, I can see that. I would recommend Scooby Doo and Arabian Nights if you like Magilla Gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Scooby Goes Hollywood if you don't like Scooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> That's brutal. <laughs> But then again, if you don't like Scooby-Doo, 
why are you listening to our show? Well, I guess I guess we're not like... afraid to put uh, Zombie Island below the halfway point. That's true. That's true. I guess like Scooby Doo Goes Hollywood is like if you wanted to hang out with the characters for a little while, but you don't want the usual formula. And I guess mm-hmm. I guess there is something to be said about like wanting that. But at the same time, if you really want that, then I don't know. In my opinion, watch the live action movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, listen to Scooby Goes Hollywood if you really like listening to the song. I'm just a Ruby Doo guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Janine's last question on this tweet is, "Who's your mommy?" My, my mommy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to answer. Uh, all right, and last set of questions here from Charlie at Magical underscore Pride. Current display name Charlie Star of RL Magical Boy. If you could erase one Scooby Doo mo- movie from existence, would you, and what would it be? I would erase Scooby Doo and the Reluctant Werewolf because then people will stop acting like it's a decent movie. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't I don't know cuz it's like even the bad movies I feel like either the bad movies I still feel like are better than other franchises bad movies or or I would say the bad movies make you appreciate the better movies more I like that's, that's we did very put true. a lot of we put a lot of movies higher up after we watched Monster of Mexico Yeah <laughs> But also, Boo Brothers sounds extremely frustrating. Oh God, I would get rid of Boo Brothers because I hate, I hated that movie. It's that one was painful. It had a lot of weird stuff going on all at the same time. It needed three less things. Yeah, it was like (laughs) an hour too long. It needed to be edited. I knew. I don't think the length was its problem because I think if you cut out some of the fluff, you could make the more interesting parts longer mm. i i think what's the word what am i even looking to say anymore <laughs> i don't remember i feel that way about the boo brothers as well like the riddle parts of boo brothers i'm interested in it's okay so with the boo brothers movie how it came out is like one of those here's nine things you can only pick three memes only they didn't pick three they picked all of them oh, God. yeah 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 uh, Charlie's next question is, would you ever want to be in a live-action Scooby-Doo movie? Yes. Yes. I, as an extra? I don't even need lines. I just I just want to be on the set. I don't even care if it's the same cast as the original two. Like, you know, even if it's like a brand new cast, um, <laughs> different people behind the scenes. It would just, it would just be nice to be in the, the sea of faces and be able to be like, that's me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, the kind of part I want is either like one of the members of the Dinkley Brigade, like that kind of part, <laughs> where you're just in the crowd, but in like a notable way. Mm-hmm. Or I want a very, very small bit part like Melvin do. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> 
I, I would also settle for like a voiceover like not like voicing over like a whole character but just like doing some adr in a scene like that would be funny mm-hmm. like that's my voice all right and final question do you think if you went back to the start you'd change anything about the podcast also happy two years Hmm. I, I don't think so. I think our format's pretty much good. Yeah. The only thing I can think of is like maybe fine tuning a couple things, like the whole uh, keeping consistent with pronouns. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I, hmm. Oh, here's something that I always was thinking about is. The the whole fact that a lot of the time when I am uh, doing my own, uh, oh, where should we put it on the list? I try to think in terms of, okay, how is the mystery? We didn't really start out with that. I just kind of came no. up with it randomly at some point. And I'm like, man, I wish I had just kept, uh, had that at the beginning. Could- yeah, I could, that would definitely help narrow down our list a bit better. Yeah. Like, we would have had a, a better start with where everything was falling. Mm-hmm. And maybe then Cyber Chase wouldn't have been at the very top for, like, months. Yeah. <laughs> That's about I the think only thing. Of, yeah, like, our, our show has got, like, I don't want to just be one of those people that says, like, our show is good. Oh, no, our show is good. I love our show. Our show is good. We've got a great show. It's great. I love it. I have so much fun with this show. That's all that matters. It's so good. It's so good. (laughs) Oh, no, now I'm thinking about Spider-Man 3. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Ugh. This is an in-joke just for me, but wow, I remember that one time I texted you just a picture of a store name and I said, <laughs> how's that pie? <laughs> I had forgotten about that. Oh my god. <sighs> uh, the store's name was so good for the <laughs> folks at home. Uh, that's all of our questions. I have a question for you both. Mm-hmm. If you could have put a different Scooby-Doo monster in this movie, which one would you have put in? Hmm. Huh. I don't know. Because mm. I can't think of anything that, like, would have been very... Hmm. Obvious? Maybe. Is what maybe I want to say. The- the witch's mm. ghost that, that been could fun. have been fun yeah okay i could see that um it also would have been funny to see the uh the weird humanoid mech suit that uh scrappy doo is running around in the in the first movie <laughs> this <laughs> like, one's just like, rowan like atkinson 
but just like like in a corner you know like like i not that it would need to come alive and like have antics but like just no, to see I, like i would want it to come alive and i wanted to just be rowan atkinson <laughs> <laughs> she just mr beans across the stage <laughs> I just just something to like obviously it's the same cast so we have indication that you know it's supposed to be the same characters between the two movies but it would have been cool to see like a hint of like the first movie and the second one Uh uh-huh yeah so there's actually only two things that i think are referenced between the two uh and it's that anytime you see a picture of like for example the people who had the tattoo of daphne on their chest Mm. It's like it's a design. It's basically just that's Daphne from the first movie, yeah, down to like the hairband and everything. <clears throat> and then at the very, very, very end, when they're in the crowd of people, uh, and Shaggy puts on the helmet, you can hear Scooby in the background say, "Mary Jane was a man in a mask." <laughs> oh God! <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> Um, my answer, and it's mostly just because I I saw that they actually had a suit made for it in one of the deleted scenes, um, is the space gook. I think the space gook is very good, and I think it'd be very spooky to hear that laugh. <laughs> mm. Like, imagine the scene where they throw the rock into the lake and Captain Keller comes out, but instead they throw the they throw a rock into the woods and then suddenly they hear a spooky laugh come out. Mm. Oh god. I think Charlie the Robot also would have been a good choice. And that those are my Scooby-Doo monster thoughts. Um, speaking of Scooby-Doo monsters, I have a list here of every monster that is referenced in this movie. <laughs> um, and I will be giving you fun facts throughout our recap. <laughs> nice. But without, uh, unless there's anything else we need to talk about, um, we have watched Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. It was released in theaters on March 26th, 2004, directed by Raja Gosnell, produced by Charles Roven and Richard Suckle, and written by James Gunn, starring the regular acting talents of Freddie Prince Jr. as Fred Jones, Ryan Verba as young Fred Jones, Sarah Michelle Gellar as Daphne Blake. Emily Tennant as young Daphne Blake. Matthew Lillard as Shaggy Rogers. I don't know if this is supposed to be pronounced Caskey or Casey. So I'll say both. Badal as young Shaggy Rogers. Linda Cardellini as Velma Dinkley. Lauren Kennedy as young Velma Dinkley. There's still so many more credits. <laughs> Seth Green as Patrick Wisely. Peter Boyle as Jeremiah Wickles. Tim Blake Nelson as Dr. Jonathan Jacobo. Alicia Silverstone as he- Heather Jasper Howe. Karen Knoble as Aggie Wilkins. Joe McLeod as Skater Dude Number One. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon J. McLaren as Skater Dude number two. Callum Worthy as Kid on Bike number two. Kid on Bike number one does not get a credit. Stephen E. Miller as C.L. Magnus. Zaf Peru as Ned. 
see Ernst Harth as the voice of Minor 49er. Scott McNeil as the voice of the evil masked figure. Neil Fanning as Scooby-Doo. J.P. Minot as Brainiac Scooby-Doo. Christopher R. Sumpton as Zombie. D. Bradley Baker as the voice of Pterodactyl, Ghost, Zombie, and Red-Eyed Skeleton. Bob Pappenbrook with the voice of Kevin Durand as the Black Knight Ghost. Michael Sorek as the voice of the Tar Monster and the Cotton Candy Glob. Terrence Stone and D. Bradley Baker are both vo- credited as the voice of the 10,000 Volt Ghost. <laughs> and Wally Wingert as the voice of the Green Eyed Skeleton. Hmm. Okay. Um, I'm looking at all the extra stuff I have here. Um, this is just some more follow-up when I mentioned that they originally talked about Scooby-Doo 3 being a thing. In October 2002, during the filming of Scooby-Doo 2, Warner Brothers approved production of a third film. Dan Foreman and Paul Foley were hired to write the script for Scooby-Doo 3. In August 2004, Matthew Lillard said in an interview that the third Scooby-Doo film was canceled because the second had not done as well as expected, which he attributed to Warner Brothers releasing it at an inappropriate time. Hmm. Not surprising. Um, also, two video games loosely following the plot of the film were released in 2004 to coincide with the film's release. A 3D point-and-click adventure on the PC and a 2D beat-em-up platformer on the Game Boy Advance. In both games, that one ending could only be seen by entering a code displayed at the end of the film. Huh! Uh, I believe on the version I had back as a kid, which is actually going to bring this up a lot because I had, so I watched this for free through IMDB TV non-spawn. It's honestly not a great system because you still have to get ads. Um, also I'll bring up the other differences. Um, but at the end of the credits, Scooby would be like, oh, look, a code. And there would be a code there to type in. Hmm. Okay, and then the last thing I have here is um, some stuff about the continuity of the universe of Scooby-Doo 2. <laughs> so James Gunn confirmed that events similar to the first two seasons of Scooby-Doo Where Are You and both seasons of the new Scooby-Doo movies took place in the movie's alternate continuity. This movie also establishes, through the accumulated disguises in the Coulsonian Criminology Museum, that events similar to all three seasons of the Scooby-Doo show happened in this continuity, as well as the events of Chickenstein Lives. Though, since Mystery Incorporated claims that the Black Knight Ghost was their first case, they may have faced off against Chickenstein at a later point in time, compared to their mainstream counterparts, <laughs> who fought Chickenstein prior to the Black Knight. Hmm. I love the description of having fought Chickenstein. <laughs> <laughs> Would would confronted be a more apt description? Apprehended, perhaps? Yeah. Uh, Schickenstein has got a funny note for being in this movie, actually. It's strange. We'll get to it when we get to it, which will be soon. <laughs> Our movie begins on a shot of the moon, which I think it started with the moon last time, too. Correct. It's been a year, but I don't remember. So, I think that was right. Mm-hmm. Huh. You know what would have been good? Now that I think about costumes that should have been in this movie? 
the Luna Ghost costume. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, just something something to tie the two movies together, like referencing a monster that was in the first one. Yeah, that would have made actual sense. Plus, wow. the Luna Ghost is a creepy clown, and creepy clowns are eternal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, see, now I'm imagining if the Luna Town ghost became real, like a real life monster, and then it had like the sharp venom teeth, and that would be gross. Oh god. I mentioned immediately in my notes that I still really like the music from these movies. Oh, it's so good. I, I, I have it noted like multiple times in my notes that the soundtracks for the live action movies are so good. It's so good. Like, I know, Lava, you mentioned in the chat, like, the leitmotif of the stuff, yes. and like, mm-hmm. I, I... I swear that when we were watching the uh, the prequel direct DVD movie, that they used it in there too. Ooh, I do not remember. I remember like thinking I heard it, and then no one else recognized it, and I was like, "Oh, okay." I am so bad at at recognizing music. It has to be like really clear for me to notice it, especially on a first yeah, watching. It was also only like ten notes. Yeah. But my um, god, throughout this entire film, it's just, like, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Slightly different every time, and I'm like, hey! It was good. There it is. Then the use of, like, pop music to <laughs> to just, like, punctuate certain scenes is just uh, so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we get a flying thing, dive past, and we follow it as it flies through the city. And then it dives into a manhole in front of the Coulsonian Criminology Museum, where a Mystery Incorporated exhibit is opening. The gang shows up in a stretch Mystery Machine style limo to a very large crowd. Um, and this is the first thing I have to talk about with version differences. Um, so Scooby gets his face stuck in a cup full of milkshake. Do either of you remember which brand of cup he got his face stuck in in the versions you watched? KFC. Burger King. Okay. This is the thing I needed to point out. Um, So there are two different versions of this movie. One where the brand is KFC and the one where the brand is Burger King. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Okay. There'll be another difference later. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The version I watched a lot growing up was Burger King. And I knew immediately when I saw that cup that the cup was wrong. (laughs) That's so funny. There's a moment later on where Shaggy actually mentions by name Burger King. Is that changed? Yeah. Oh, mm. I'll get to it. It's yeah. it's changed poorly. Oh no. Also, who buys can you even get a milkshake from KFC? Is that that's, a thing? That's what I was thinking too. I was like, since when did KFC have milkshakes? I know sometimes <laughs> they they'll do like iced lemonade. Oh no. Some Google KFC milkshake. Oh god. But uh, as a former Burger King employee, I can safely say Burger King definitely has the milkshakes. <laughs> yes. No, the only flavor of drinks that I see here is soft drinks, iced tea, lemonade, and Mountain Dew Sweet Lightning. Oh. I'm afraid to ask, what is Sweet Lightning? I think it's like Mountain Dew mixed with sweet tea. Oh. Let me look it up. Because I remember when they announced it. I don't remember what it was. I try it, you know. Like, as long as it's not... It, as long as it didn't have I mean, the... Maybe it was Mountain Dew Lemonade. It was one of those. 
As long as it doesn't taste like flat soda. Oh yeah, yuck. I think is my my thing. Usually when you mix something with a soda that isn't also carbonated, it's like makes it weird. Mm. Okay, Mountain Dew Sweet Lightning. The page is very slowly loading. KFC really wants to tell me about their message to guests about coronavirus. Why aren't you going to tell me anything about the flavor? Oh god. It's very bright piss yellow. Okay. Um, it's a signature beverage at KFC, the only place where you'll find Mountain Dew Sweet Lightning. Huh. <laughs> Let me Google Mountain Dew Sweet Lightning. It's KFC's version of Baja Blast, but isn't? I imagine it's not as good. Mm. Yeah, I'm gonna cut out a lot of dead air here, but I, I need to know the flavor now. I remember learning it once, and I don't know anymore. I've never heard of it. Okay. Electrify their beverage lineup with sweet lightning and out-of-the-sky refreshment lit up with a punch of peach and a touch of honey flavors. Hmm. So it's a peach and a honey-flavored soda. Interesting. I'm here for it. A peach-flavored Mountain Dew could maybe be okay. I would try it. I don't know if I would like it, but I would try it. It's definitely not a Baja Blast. Yeah. Speaking of which, y'all, I saw someone tweet a picture of a six or a twelve pack case of canned Baja Blast Zero, and I, I need to know if it's real. <laughs> uh, anyways, so yes, the Burger King cup. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what we were talking about. Uh, anyway, uh, we have guys with Daphne tattooed on their chest, as we talked about before. The Dinkley Brigade. The Dinkley Brigade is just my Twitter timeline, to be honest. <laughs> uh, Heather Howe introduces herself as a news reporter who just really wants to get an interview with everyone so she can spin it badly. He says, uh, little old Coolsville can solve its problems without us, but we'll always be there to help. And then he does a cheap pop with the crowd by saying, people of Coolsville are the best in the world! <laughs> Alicia Silverstone is just acting her face off in this movie. Yeah, she does a very good job. <laughs> Everyone in this movie does a pretty good job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you can't say that it like the acting is bad at any of these like live action movies. They're all just like they're having fine fun. too good. Yeah, they they're just having a great time. Mm-hmm. Like Peter Boyle as Jeremiah Wickles might be one of my favorite parts of this movie too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, the exhibit is full of costumes from past cases. I've read, I'm not sure if it's true, but I read that all of the costumes here are functional as costumes and not just, like, statues or anything. Interesting. Oh, that's cool. I hope that's true. That would be very neat. It is. It would be very neat. Um, obviously Shaggy and Scooby are a little on edge being in a room full of costumes. But Daphne's like, no, that's fine, they're all fake yep see look at the pterodactyl ghost it's totally fake <laughs> and the pterodactyl goes to blinks <laughs> yep <laughs> she also te- tells them to keep up appearances you know because it's like the big image is everything yeah mm-hmm. uh speaking of monsters and costumes though this is where we see some of the costumes so i'm gonna let's see who should i start with let's start with the tar monster mm. 
Tar Monster, file number 78005, according to this book. <laughs> uh, the mystery machine drives all the way to Turkey, where the gang visits their friend Dr. Brixton. The archaeologist is searching for the buried city of Byzantius, which is protected by the ancient curse of the Tar Monster, a one-eyed hulk made of dripping tar. When things get too sticky, Scooby and his pals learn there's more to the slimy cyclops than meets the eye. When they unmasked him, it was revealed to be a man named Stoner. Oh my god. <laughs> what? A, a layer of fake tar hides a scuba diving suit. Stoner, Brixton's assistant, hoped to find the lost city and a priceless treasure for himself. Hmm. Um, let's see, who else do we see here? We get the Black Knight. I'll save the Black Knight for later. Uh, we see the Creeper here. This is the only time we'll see the Creeper, so I'll say that one now too. Creeper really should have been in this movie. Creeper is one of the best Scooby-Doo villains. Uh, Jeepers, it's the Creeper. This, sorry, file number 70003. This green-faced hunchback monstrous figure interrupts a school dance complete with an all-you-can-eat buffet of chocolate-dipped corn on the cob. Apparently, the Creeper has been seen robbing banks across town. Now that's a mystery in the making. The alias of... You know, they unmask him, and it was Mr. Carswell, the bank's president, is to blame. The creeper disguised as a cover-up for his money-stealing scheme. Nice try, Mr. Carswell. Um, let's see, are there any other ones I should read off now? Oh, you know what other one I need to do now, because we won't see him again? Hmm? Chickenstein. Yeah! Mm. So Chickenstein isn't in the book. The book being the Scooby-Doo Encyclopedia I have here, which also, by the way... Not a very good book. Um, there's an index at the back, and one of the indexes mentions the word theme song. And it's like, oh, theme song. You'll see a reference to that on page seven. Page seven has no instance of the word theme song. Oh, oh no. That's rude. Um, so Chickenstein was a fictitious monster who was reported on by the National Exaggerator uh, and was impersonated by Casmer Codwaller. To conceal an operation in which he stole stolen merchandise, sold stolen merchandise. Um, this is from an episode of Pup Named Scooby Doo, which is why it's not in the book. Uh. Mm. Uh, it looks nothing like the costume they use in the movie. <laughs> of course. According to cast commentary, there was supposed to be a reference to Chickenstein in the first film as well, but it did not make the final cut. Aw. Mm. Interesting. I don't, I don't actually, there's too much of a plot synopsis here, so I'm not going to read the rest of it. But just so you know, Chicken Sign's a weird one to pull. I think they just did it for the, uh, the joke. The, uh, they were, it, it was going to pluck us. Joke. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess if it was also supposed to be referenced in the first one, someone, like, maybe James Gunn just really liked Chicken Stein. Maybe! <laughs> it's possible. Um, looking at the rest of this list, I think we can hold off on anything else for now. So where are my notes? There are my notes. Um, so the periodical ghost blinks. Uh, we go over to Velma, who's talking to people, and then just starts not paying attention, and Dreamweaver starts playing. But not actually Dreamweaver, it's some other song. Because she sees Seth Green, who's... I remember Seth Green for, like, the first... The one instance at the beginning, but the rest of the time, I, it's Patrick Wisely. Is the character's name. 
there's a bit where he trips during the Dreamweaver sequence and then makes a full recovery. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot he was in this movie. I So I thought there was another part of this movie's plot that didn't come up. That I just, I was like, oh yeah, this part will show up here. And then I was wrong the entire time. It never happened. Hmm. Spoilers for later, but so... Actually, it's not even spoilers. I... I thought that it was going to be revealed that Patrick Wisely was, like, the son of Jonathan Jacobo. Huh. Yeah, because, like, there's a there is a picture where, like, he, Jacobo clearly has his arm around, like, a redhead boy that looks like young Seth Green. Yeah. And also, like, the actors look similar. Like, you could say that the person who plays Jonathan Jacobo is, jo- is Seth Green's dad, and I'd be like, yeah, that's, that's probably true. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least it's true enough for the believability of this film. Right. Um, so Patrick Wisely is the curator of the museum, um, and Daphne sees that film is not quite, not starstruck, but the, uh, a different version of starstruck. You know what I mean. Twitter-pated? I guess. I don't know if I've heard that word before. Oh, it's from (laughs) Bambi. Ah, okay. Uh, so Daphne immediately starts playing Wingman. Uh, and Wisely asks Velma on a date to a crime symposium. But Velma says, mystery is my mistress, and I must heed her sweet call. There's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so many good lines in this movie. It really is. Um, and at this around this moment, glass shatters in the windows and lightning flashes outside. Um, and the pterodactyl ghost is real and escapes its case. And it's an unidentified freaky object. <laughs> So Fred, Vilma, and Daphne immediately formulate a plan. They tell Scooby and Shaggy to grab some rope as they wrap it up in curtains. And Scooby and Shaggy then run around to tie the rope around it. They're like, okay, we got it. Let go. Uh, and then when they let go, the ropes fall and the curtains move and open. Um, my question here is, why would you even tell them to let go? Right. Wouldn't you want right. a mon- this creature to be as secure as possible until the... We, you know, it's ready to be unmasked. Like, theoretically, they would type to unmask it. Yeah, yeah, because of you know movie drama. Yeah. yeah, you have to create an incident to make Shaggy and Scooby feel insecure for the rest of the movie, so they could have their big moment at the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the pterodactyl ghost escapes, and the rope is still tied to its leg, and Shaggy and Scooby have it tied to their hands and get dragged through the museum. They make a mess of some pots and pans. Uh, and a spooky masked man shows up and he goes, Mystery Incorporated! <laughs> uh, he's going to unmask them as buffoons. Uh, Daphne takes a takes Redbeard's cutlass and does a cool jump slash to cut the ropes, freeing Shaggy and Scooby. As the masked man and the pterodactyl ghosts escape with the Black Knight costume. Um... We also learn later that he also stole the 10,000 volt ghost costume. Heather Howe is reporting while they investigate the scene. Um, you know, we just see her in the background, but she'll be back in a second. Velma finds a secret passage in the reptilian scale. Uh, Daphne's like, hey, Fred, maybe I'll talk to the press until we've solved the mystery. And Fred's like, come on, they love us. Smash cut to little old Coolville can solve its own problems. <laughs> <sighs> yikes yikes there's a lot of that in this movie 
Yeah. Uh, so we see Mystery Inc. headquarters here in the next scene. Um, I want to know so much more about Mystery Inc. headquarters. It's so fancy! Right. Right. There's so much, like, design... There's so much aesthetic happening here. It's so good! Well, and I it's... like... I like how it's a very specific aesthetic of, like, retrofuturism from, like, you know, <laughs> what we thought the future was going to look like in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. Like... It's such a very specific kind of, like, high-tech, too. Mm-hmm. That's just, like, it's so good. Whoever did, like, set design... This movie needs an Oscar for a lot of reasons, but, like, the set design <laughs> of this movie is so good. It is. Yeah, I would describe, like, most of Mystery Incorporated's whole aesthetic in general in this movie as, like, a mix of mod and, like, 2004 absolutely absolutely it's mod with 2004 hair <laughs> um like the exception to the mod thing is shaggy wearing you know just like a t-shirt over a long sleeve shirt because that was very 2004 yeah mm-hmm. um but like their t- their tv is a flat screen tv that's like mechanically raises out of a wood panel table Heck yeah so good it's so good they have like all of their office equipment is bright orange and with curved edges. I'm not surprised about the bright orange, considering who was probably the one to be buying it. And picking it out and being like, oh, this is something we need for the hideout. Exactly. Velma. <laughs> hideout, in quotation marks. Uh, yeah, it's like, a, it's a whole lot. Um, but I love it so much. I just... Like, they have, like, a whole new logo thing going on. Mm-hmm. I want to know. There's a scene later where Fred is wearing a Mystery Incorporated t-shirt. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, I think Daphne is, too, because she has a shirt that's, like... She has, has a shirt with her face on it. She does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's extremely not a Daphne thing to do, but also, like, kind of fits anyways. <laughs> Uh, so Fred, Velma, and Daphne are all taking the blame for letting Shaggy and Scooby do a thing. And Shaggy and Scooby are in the kitchen, which is, you know, it has like a window bar behind them. So they hear everything. And they're like, well, we've always been screw-ups. So let's be real detectives. Which is like, if if they just stopped there, that would have been fine. That would have been like, yeah, you know... Like, we love you as you are, clearly, because you're a part of the group, but also, like, if you want to, like, step up and maybe try to do a little bit more, then I'm sure that would be welcome. But the fact that they take that and go the next step further, which is, that means we're going to go try to solve the mystery on our own and not tell anybody anything. Well, also, that's when they lose, that's when they lose me. Yeah, uh, Shaggy has, like, an oath, which I didn't write down, but the important part of the oath is that Scooby repeats it all in just complete gibberish. Yes. Mm. Scooby has mm. a lot of gibberish, and honestly, I adore it. Yeah, Scooby gets a lot of antics in this movie, which is honestly perfect, yeah. you know. So we cut to the next scene where Shaggy and Scooby show up. Um, Shaggy is wearing, like, a green version of Fred's classic design. Is how I would describe it. It has like the or- has like the reddish orange yeah. mascot still, but like with a green sweater over it. That is what that was, wasn't it? Hmm. Um, Scooby is wearing a Velma sweater, but also 
Daphne's go-go boots. <laughs> Daphne is uh, very, very, um, how would you describe Concerned. it? Concerned. Yeah. Those boots don't go with that sweater. Yeah, I like how it's not a, like, Scooby, you'll stretch them out. You'll ruin my boots. It's now, It's more of a, oh, come on, those don't go together. Yes. What are you thinking? I love it. Priorities, <laughs> it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I realized that I kind of like Fred's general outfit set up in this movie, where it's just, like, different variants of white or blue track jackets with t-shirts underneath. <laughs> mm-hmm. And sometimes the t-shirt has, like, an orange neckline. Mm-hmm. It it works. I, a lot of the outfits in this movie just work. They really do. Yeah. Like Velma, for the, like if she's not wearing a sweater, she'll have like a slouch neck dress or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's good. it's really creative explorations of things that the characters don't usually get to wear, but in the context of you know they're not necessarily like cartoon characters; they're real people. So of course they're going to be wearing different things. Mm-hmm. The only character they don't really exercise that with is Shaggy, but it's because, like, Shaggy would just wear t-shirts and pants. Yeah. yeah. Shaggy has a very yeah. specific look. Yeah, yeah, like, the only thing they could have done is, like, maybe we could have seen him in, like, a zip-up hoodie, but, like, really, really. <laughs> mm-hmm. T-shirts are perfectly fine for Shaggy. I think him having a t-shirt over a long sleeve t-shirt is just, like, perfect. There's not much. Yeah, and the long sleeve t-shirt has a design on one of the sleeves, and I don't know what the design is. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's either shapes or like extremely stylized letters. I think it might be extremely stylized letters, like the Mystery Ink logo is, mm. like on the floor mm. of that headquarters. Hmm. It's it's a look. Um, so Shaggy and Scooby are there, and Velma has like a printout, like, oh, we scanned this pterodactyl scale. And Shaggy's like, well, let's take a look. What are these strange markings? <laughs> everybody's just like, yeah, okay. They're just doing a bit. It's fine. Fred flips it over. Their words, Shaggy. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Words. Scooby, take notes. <laughs> we'll cut back to Scooby's notes in a second. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Velma takes it back, and they're like, "Ah, oh, it's a real pterodactyl scale." Well, which of our old villains could have made a real pterodactyl ghost? Uh, and they're like, "I mean, they immediately assume that it must have been one of their old villains because they want to humiliate them," which is jumping to a conclusion. But I guess it's a good place to start. Yeah. They just they go full in on jumping to conclusions in a little bit, though. Like it's it's a little rough. Um, cause, okay, Jonathan Jacobo, the original pterodactyl ghost. You know what, maybe that would be a good time to talk about the original pterodactyl ghost. <laughs> okay. File number 80007. The ever-athletic Fred is competing in a hang gliding contest. When the screeching ghostly pterodactyl sabotages the event and Scooby-Doo's stack of sandwiches. But Mystery Inc. won't let this prehistoric for... This prehistoric bird fly the coop that easily. It was revealed to be that the pterodactyl ghost was actually Johnny. Turns out the pterodactyl ghost is just a made-up legend to cover up a bootleg music scheme. Talk about a bird-brained pan. Pan. Plan. Hmm. 
Is pterod are pterodactyls even birds? Is that a thing? They're bird-like. Birds evolved from reptiles. Uh, uh, and they have like the beaks. Okay. I'm just curious. If if you had to describe a dinosaur as a bird, Pterodactyl would be the one I'd go with because most people aren't going to be like, oh yes, an Archaeopteryx. Mm -hmm. Right. I know there's there's a thing regarding pterodactyls and pterodons, and I do not remember it, but I know that it exists. Mm. Thing with a capital T. But anyway. Mm. Um. So they're like, okay. So Jonathan Jacobo used the suit to steal money to fund research into making real monsters. This is like the only character that they change stuff with. Like they keep the names of pretty much everything else correct when it comes to these monsters. It's strange. But I get it, because they need to do something. Yeah. So, three years ago, he attempted to escape prison using a wingsuit made from, like, bed frames and stuff, and then fell into the ocean to never be seen again. Huh. Jacobo's cellmate was the Black Knight ghost, and released two months ago. They checked Scooby-Doo's notes. <laughs> Bunny. Bunny. <laughs> Uh, so they go to visit Old Man Wickles, and Hi Hi Puffy Yami Yumi is playing. Oh wow, that's what it was. Uh huh. <laughs> so during the scene when they're driving up to the manor, Daphne says, "Freddy, up on the right, it's literally the only house on this road, and it's a full-on manor." Yeah. Goodness. So this is the scene where Shaggy says, "Why can't we ever investigate a KFC?" Or something. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's extremely obviously edited. It's, like, wow. badly edited. Um, and also, the version I watched, the subtitle still said Burger King. Oh, God. Okay, see, the, the version I watched, at least it still said KFC in the subs. Okay, that's good. Jeez. Even if the dub wasn't very good of it. Uh, it was... It's Burger King. Come on, y'all. So some kids on bikes come up and they're like, ah, great job last night. Not. And they give him a thumbs down. And Daphne's like, click, we need to come up with a comeback. <laughs> they're 12. Their comeback is shut up. <laughs> uh, so Fred rings the doorbell. And they get a spooky message saying, you'll pay the price if you don't leave. And Fred says, oh, what could possibly happen by ringing a doorbell? And rings it again. And then a trap door opens and they fall through into, like, a hamster ball cage. <laughs> That's what could happen by ringing a doorbell, Fred. They get a voice over the intercom that says, the owner will be back at seven to set them free. Also there, in separate hamster ball cages, is a non-branded Girl Scout and what I assume to be Mormons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's very clearly supposed to be a parody of Mormons. Also, the chapter sequence, just like... The movie overall, I feel like, does a really good job of capturing, like, the whimsy and charm of, like, the cartoon. Mm -hmm. But it, like, there's something about, like, the, the chapter sequence that really just, like, lit that part of my brain that was like, oh, right, they did such a good job capturing like the the joy of cartoons in this movie with some of the antics mm -hmm. yeah it's a very so cartoony good. movie considering it's live yeah. action 
yeah. so good. And like the technology, like of like the mechanical aspects of it, still feel very similar to like the stuff they used in um, Scooby Doo One. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that actually like goes true for like any time you see technology in this movie, of like uh, this is the villain's mechanical creation. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, this feels yeah. the same. Absolutely. Um, so, it's just a fun movie. It's just a fun movie. Velma's like, hey, this lock is a laser thumbprint scanner. And Daphne's like, well, I got some makeup, so here we go. Yeah. Yeah, I think she literally goes, like, it's never too late to learn how to do your makeup, Daph- or, uh, Velma. How to properly apply makeup. Mm-hmm. She says as she puts blush onto a thumbprint scanner. It's just... I'm, I've said it once, I've said it a million times, and I will say it again. I just, I love any time that Daphne gets to do something that's traditionally feminine yeah. that ends up helping the group out. Yeah. It's, it's so good. It's like, that's what I, that, that's what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's like a, a thing later where someone tries to like tear Daphne down, and I'm just like, Daphne's the most competent person in any of these movies. She really is. Yeah. Like specifically in these in these live action movies, Daphne is the most competent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she literally like in there's like a time jump in the the first movie, and in the deleted scene, she like goes off to Asia to learn kung fu to come back and you know kick. That was a dirty trick. In the in, when they go to the the haunted island, like mm-hmm. she's terrific. She has her shadow detected up puppy power together. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they break free. Scooby buys like $80 worth of cookies. Yeah. Um, they let everybody else go. <laughs> and Shaggy says it's time to split up and search for clues. <laughs> Much to Fred's distress. <laughs> you stole my thing that I said. <laughs> uh, remember when they did that in Pirates of Hoy? Yeah. And Fred just like made a point of having to say something that the person wouldn't also say. Yeah. Uh, that's good. Something I really like, and they don't really get into this very much because it's a, a fun movie, a fun cartoon, is that the the gang all have their own insecurities. Yeah. I like that. I like that they all support each other in their insecurities and everything. It's, yeah, and this movie, I think, is probably the closest to actually get into that, mm-hmm. too. Well, I think it has to, you know, obviously it goes with, like, what Shaggy and Scooby are dealing with, but it's also really nice to be like, you're not the only person that is dealing with this. We are all dealing with this, especially being public figures who have no experience being public figures other than we're just doing what we love, mm-hmm. and the fame came afterwards, and we just muddling our way through this you know yeah mm-hmm. uh, so we cut to shaggy and scooby searching around shaggy's creeping around with a magnifying glass scooby finds a top secret safe and diary that both are like keep out and instead he takes a sunglasses and a pair of boxers as a clue <laughs> <laughs> uh, velma and daphne find glowing footprints and find that crowley has a bunch of books on the his name Crowley? Is that even right? That... I feel like that's not actually his name. I don't know why I wrote Crowley. Wickles. Why did I write Crowley? Anyways. Uh, Wickles has all of the 
these books on magic and stuff. Um, Fred uses the dust in the room to figure out which books have been touched recently. <laughs> and they find what is called an obsolete Celtic text used by secret societies in the 19th century. <laughs> uh, Jacobo's name is written in the book. And it contains a combination of science and magic and the instructions to make your own living monsters. <laughs> so we cover to Scooby and Shaggy and Scooby's like, hey, Shaggy, I found all these clues. <laughs> and Shaggy's like, those aren't clues. How is the toilet brush a clue? And then they both start singing Sinatra into the toilet brush. Yeah. <laughs> And then Shaggy's like, oh, there's a post-it note on your foot, and it's a clue, like an actual clue, saying how there's something happening at a place called the Faux Ghost tonight. What a a good name for a secret location to go to in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, also, especially seeing how it's completely only, like, the only people that go there are people who were caught for being ghosts. Yes. And other types of monsters. Yes. (laughs) I it's I feel like the first movie got too bogged down in being like very meta and we're like oh look we're doing Scooby Doo but it's like ironic like this movie is a lot more genuine about a lot of things and I think that particular touch is like a good bit of like meta comedy yeah it's just funny yeah, yeah I. <laughs> Now is not the time for me to bring it up, but I have some thoughts on where this belongs on the list. <laughs> um, I'm I'm excited to discuss that because I have all, also had thoughts. <laughs> so they do a celebration dance for finding a clue, um, and then they hear a spooky laugh. So they jump away in opposite directions, and Scooby ends up in the arms of the Black Knight ghost. Uh, maybe now is a good time to talk about the Black Knight ghost. <laughs> So there have been multiple instances of characters called the Black Knight Ghost in the history of Scooby-Doo. Um, this one is supposed to be based on the first mo- first creature or ghost or villain they caught. Um, file number 69001. Nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black Knight. Scooby-Doo and the gang stumble upon their very first mystery, a suit of armor inside the front seat of an abandoned pickup truck. When the gang delivers the armor to the county museum, the curator, Mr. Wickles, informs them that this black knight comes alive every full moon. That's a really bad timing. It turns out it was Mr. Wickles, and Mr. Wick- FYI, Mr. Wickles is a liar. He made up the legend of the black knight to cover up his art-swindling scam. <laughs> now, there's also another one that was the henchman of Merlin in a different mystery. Or, no, sorry, a different... I think this is a Scottish one, maybe. Hold on, let me look at which one this one was. There's another one in here that has a design that's closer to the one they ended up using. Mm. Gotcha. But it's a much different person. From file number X. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In Shaggy's Shaggy's wealthy uncle Shagworthy's rebuilt King Arthur's castle, which is one heck of a sentence, like part of a sentence. Right. Scooby and crew run smack dab into this armored knight along with Merlin the Magician. And it turns out it was an unnamed 
henchmen of Zarko out to steal Shagwar these jewels. Son, the more you know. <laughs> uh, so they run off and they block a door, but and as they're blocking the door, the Black Knight just enters in from a different secret passage. Uh, Fred, Vilma, and Daphne barge in, hearing all the stuff going on. And Fred has a shield, but then gets bashed out of the way. So Daphne has to fight him with a pole arm, while Velma is calculating its weak point based on the stuff in the book. And this is where I notice that Daphne is wearing a shirt with her face on it. Yes, yes, she is. So good. Um, after a very intense and drawn out fight, fight, where Velma the entire time is talking about math, uh, Velma's like, "Ah, the weak point is here," and then does a, delivers a swift kick to the crotch, and they all run. Um, Shaggy and Scooby decided to go to the Faux Ghost by themselves, so they use whipped cream to pretend that Scooby has rabies and leave. Yeah, they could just leave. They don't need to try to fool them or anything. Yeah, it's a thing where, like, by trying to come up with, like, an excuse to go, you're just drawing more attention to yourself than if you just, like, leave. slipped out. Yeah. Or... Just say you're leaving and don't try to give explanation. Like, hey, we're going to know, go eat food. More. Yes, um, right. They're not under quarantine. They can just go. Yeah. As someone who has learned a lot of good tricks to lying, um, the less words you say for your excuse, the better your lie is. Absolutely. The le- the less obvious it is that you are lying. <laughs> mm-hmm. So after they leave, film is like, hey, this scale contains randomonium which is used to create monsters, according to the book. And Randomonium glows, just like the footprints they saw on Wickle's place. So they're like, ah, clearly it was Wickle's. And Fred makes a joke about the dot-com crash. <laughs> and then they're like, well, Randomonium comes from silver mines, so let's go to the abandoned mining town in Old Coolsville. And just as they're about to leave, Velma's like, mm, actually, no, can't do that, because Patrick Wisely is at the door. So Fred keeps him distracted while Daphne gives Velma a pep talk and some kind of bad dating advice. Yeah, yeah, I was kind of surprised at how, like, like very off-base Daphne's advice is. Because it's not just be yourself He's and, like, communicate with him. He's going to like you anyway. She pretty much tells him, well, he thinks you are this way, so act that way and then he'll like you. Yeah, it was very uh, shallow girl stereotype advice, mm-hmm. which I don't. I don't think Daphne is like that. Yeah. So uh, Velma comes out in a tight leather jumpsuit with full makeup and no glasses. And who's your mommy? M- my mommy. Which is, I gotta congratulate Seth Green on what is probably the best, one of the best line reads in the movie. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Also, I just, I love Linda Cardellini. Like, I I know I say I love, like, all the members of this cast just in general, but it's just like, I don't don't know. They do good jobs. They do good jobs. Okay, so, um, meanwhile, Shaggy and Scooby see are at the faux ghost and they're like ah there's a bunch of ex-villains here if we have to go in as disguise or else we'll be part of a weenie roast where we're the weenies <laughs> um. the, I, I need to point out this moment because it, it just cracked me up 
Uh, Scooby then proceeds to go, hmm, weenie roast, and licks, like, a post, a wooden post or something. And his, his ex- the expression on his face is like, credit to uh, the animators, because, oh my god, it was hysterical to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, while they're checking out and they see the ex-villains, they spe- see specifically uh, the person who was previously Redbeard's ghost and the person who was the Ozark Witch. Which brings me to another edition of talking about a villain. Redbeard's Ghost. This cackling terror of the seven seas. Sorry, this is file number 69015. Nice. 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 Uh, this cackling terror of the seven seas, ghost of the late not-so-great pirate Redbeard, is raiding freighter ships near Skull Island. The Mystery Incorporated gang is on the case after finishing their malts and super-duper sandwiches, of course. They set sail and find Redbeard's ghost ship in knife-thick fog. Shiver me timbers. Um, this is... Turns out he was C.L. Magnus. Why would a real pirate ghost need dry ice? Exactly. A fake fog leads the gang to uncover the real culprit, the owner of a shipping company, attempting to steal from his own ships to collect the insurance money. Arg. Interestingly enough, Redbeard's ghost appears in the episode Go Away Ghost Ship, but the eerily similar, all-white pirate ghost of White Redbeard appears in another episode of The Ghostly Creep from the Deep. Hmm. When it comes to the Ozark Witch, that is actually a name they changed, because the character's original name was the Ghost of Witch McCoy. This is file number 76023. On a dark and stormy night, the mystery machine breaks down on the way to Ozark River. The gang winds up at the dilapidated Hatfield cabin. Suddenly, Pa Hatfield turns into a frog. There's only one explanation for this. The ghost of Witch McCoy is struck again. A bwahahaha. Okay, it turns out there's actually another explanation. Turns out it was Aggie Wilkins. After some death-defying antics and crazy clues, the gang unmasks Aggie Wilkins as part of a bank-robbing duo seeking to retrieve their stolen cash from the floorboards of the Hatfield cabin. Not happening. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, so, we cut to them entering the the faux ghost in their disguises. Part like the Red Sea, it's me, Shizzy McCreepy, and my brother, S.D. McCrawley. <laughs> uh, Scooby immediately flirts with someone. <laughs> gets hit on he just like goes with it he thinks the way he responds to it and then later like follows through like i don't know what's going on with, like scooby is just too into it i think yeah yeah <laughs> um so there's a mystery ink for there's is mystery ink focused dartboards and whack-a-mole and we have people arguing over whether the ghost clown is scarier or the cotton candy glob so maybe I put that book away too early, because I am going to talk about the ghost clown real quick. <laughs> the ghost clown, file number 69010. Nice. 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 Uh, Mystery Inc. stumbles upon a circus. It just so happens that this circus is haunted by a ghost clown, a legend throughout the industry. Strange things are happening. start happening, trapeze lines come undone, lions act like scaredy cats, and the gang is hypnotized. It's Bedlam in the Big Top. For Scooby and Shaggy to stay in this clown case, they'll need more than a Scooby snack. Maybe a super-duper hero sandwich? 
Turns out this clown is nothing more than a disgruntled circus worker seeking revenge against the circus master, Mr. Barnstorm. And that circus actor is, circus worker is Harry the Hypnotist. The, the cotton candy lop comes up later, so we'll save that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I do like that people are just arguing like, no, ghost clown is way scarier than a cotton candy. Yeah. Uh, so Shaggy and Scooby then stumble into Wickles at the bar. And Shaggy's like, oh, hey, you're a famous villain. <laughs> and they, it does a pretty good job of playing it off. He does. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Scooby is eating a pickled egg and spits it in a guy's drink. Uh, Wickles basically says we should have been ourselves, but then says that if he sees those twerps at Mystery Incorporated, he's going to claw their eyes out of their skulls and make them eat the one eye while watching them eat their own eye with the other eye. Yeah. Um, Shaggy leaves to go to the restroom and Scooby decides to dance with the lady from before. <laughs> I just, I love how Shaggy literally says don't do anything to attract attention. Yep. Which obviously means to Scooby time for a dance sequence. Yep. During this scene I was like do they actually have like a suit actor there? And they just animated the head on top of it because, like, the fabric material looks like it's just there. Yeah, they might. Yeah, I wonder for like that particular scene with the Scooby in costume. I'm, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if they had a suit actor there. Uh, so the wig comes loose. The Shaggy comes back, and everyone realizes that it's Shaggy and Scooby. So they chase them out, and they go down the trash chute to escape. <laughs> <laughs> Back with the gang, Velma at least has her ga- glasses back on. Uh, and it turns out, as they drive by the museum, they see it's been trashed. Because the Black Knight and the Pterodactyl Ghost came back, trashed the museum, and stole the rest of the costumes. Uh, Fred starts to get interviewed again, and he says, like, Hold on, no, you're doing that thing again, where you take everything I say out of context. You're trying to make it look like that I think that Coolsville sucks. He says, staring straight oh. into the camera. Poor Fred. Uh, so Wisely is upset and has to leave and does not want Velma joining him. And it turns out Velma's wearing her sweater underneath that suit the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder she was, like, sweating. Uh-huh. Right? Uh, and immediately the TV is broadcasting the I Think Toolsville Sucks yeah. scene. Daphne confronts Heather. Heather's like, no, Daphne, you don't do anything for the gang anyways. And this is where I'm like, but she does the most. She's very competent. But also, I I don't know, I could see... And I could see why Daphne would get into her head about that. Because mm-hmm. like, she's know? gotten into her head about that in the last movie. Like, it's a thing that would probably come back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's clearly something that she's working on, and, like, she's under, you know, distress right now, and, you know, those kind of things have a tendency to, like, come back if you're, like, you know, mm-hmm. already in your head about other stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Heather says something about him masking them, and Daphne's like, wait, you sound just like that creepy mask guy. Maybe you're the creepy mask guy. And then the creepy mask guy shows up again. Mystery Incorporated! <laughs> I think I watched this movie as a child too many times. Because, like, 
There are definitely... Whenever I think of anyone saying the words Mystery Incorporated, I imagine it in that booming voice <laughs> of saying Mystery Incorporated. <laughs> so, he's like, yeah, Coolsville will be mine. And Shaggy and Scooby escape the trash and they see Wisely doing some vigilante interrogating to find out what happened to the costumes. He's He's basically like, you have failed the city. <laughs> Where are they? Where are they? Uh, and then when Shaggy, he sees that Shaggy and Scooby saw them, he's like, oh, you know, I had to put on a tough kayak or else I'll get eaten alive out here. And then he spooks them a bit. And they see Wickles, Shaggy and Scooby sees Wickle, see Wickles walking off. So they're like, okay, let's just leave. Yeah. Um, and it turns out Wickles is heading to the abandoned mine. And Shaggy and Scooby follow his bushes. God, I love this scene. It's just so dumb, but you know what? Why not? You know? <laughs> yeah, they have, like, cans on string so they can talk to each other as from bushes. And Scooby <laughs> yells at one point. Uh, darn bushes yelling at me again. <laughs> so good. Uh, so then later they're investigating the mine and they're creeping through shadows and they end up in the arms of one of the skeleton men who had been made real. So let's talk about the skeleton men. Let's talk about them. Hey, let's talk about skeleton men. That would be the world's shortest episode of Hey, Let's Talk About It. <laughs> <laughs> Which, to be fair, isn't hard to do. <laughs> It really isn't hard. Our episodes are historically extremely long. Okay, Skeleton Men. File number 78002. Mystery Inc. is out sealing the warm waters of the Gulf Stream with plenty of groovy music and a few small snacks to fight off seasonlessness. Seasonlessness. When a hurricane hits, sweeping the gang into the Bermuda Triangle... But monster waves aren't the only monsters Shaggy and Scooby must worry about. They soon spot these glowing one-eyed skeleton men and a flying saucer. Maybe Dr. Grimsley, head of the area's Weather Eye Project, can help Scooby and the crew solve the riddle of the Bermuda Triangle. Dr. Grimsley answered the gang's questions alright, because turns out he was one of the skeleton men in disguise. Along with a couple of his henchmen, this crook planned to hijack his lost planes and sell them overseas. Uh, there were three skeleton men originally, but this movie only has two. Three skeleton men in this movie would have been too much, mm. to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, especially with, um... The antics. I really feel like they were... Yeah, the, with the antics, they were very suited for two. Also, I feel like the CG budget was just just right for what the movie mm -hmm. needed. I feel like adding one more CG creature yeah. would affect the quality somewhere else. Plus, then you get the dynamic of the two skeleton creatures chasing the two of Sh Scooby and Shaggy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yes. So then Scooby accidentally finds a secret hidden elevator. It's hidden behind some fake rocks. Uh, the rest of the gang pulls up at the mine, and they're like all kind of messed up because each of them is, at this point, like except for Fred, who's just a little upset because he's getting taken out of context. Um, but, like, Velma and Daphne are both, like, kind of emotionally wrecked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, they find Wickles in a meeting with some investors about turning it into a mi- mining camp for child labor. <laughs> the weirdest part about that is that the pitch is one way, but the model he has on the table is just an amusement park. Yeah. Yeah, and he's... It also almost sounded like he was expecting to be like a like a sleepaway summer camp, too. Yeah, a summer camp where you make the kids work 18 hours a day to get free mining. <laughs> Maybe it's like a, like a, um, Pinocchio kind of situation mm. where the, the music park is there to lure in the children. I don't think donkeys can hold pickaxes. <laughs> Donkey child hybrids though can. Uh, so the gang starts questioning him about the monster stuff in the middle of his pitch and Wiggles is like, no, I hated Jacobo. He kept stealing my tater toss and got deleted my fair lady. <laughs> <laughs> and the investors are just like, yeah, I think we're done here and leave. I really want to know what the investors have invested if Mr. Ink didn't barge in. Like, yeah. They seem interested. They do seem interested. Yeah, they. They seem interested, which is concerning. Here's here's a very (laughs) important thing to consider. They are in the abandoned mineshaft. It is uh, nighttime. And they are meeting with someone who just got released from prison a few months ago. They know what they're doing. Absolutely. They're also business. Also this. But also, uh, <laughs> they now know that Mystery Inc. is aware of the situation. They cannot invest in it. They will get taken down. That's absolutely true. Uh, so Shaggy and Scooby ride down into a huge underground lab, and there's a fridge full of potions, and Scooby's like, ah, yes, lemonade. <laughs> and turns into a freaky monster. I, I love... I know it's probably... Um... I know fluids are hard to rig in 3D, so they when she, uh, when Scooby dips his tongue into the the beaker and gets the yellow liquid out, it's it just looks, jello. It looks like jelly, jello, yeah. And I'm like, I'm sure that's easier to rig and model for 3D. But at the same time, I'm like, what is a beaker of jello? <laughs> Like why? Why is this particular chemical suspended in gel of all of all of like the states that it could be? Well, it might just be something because it's being chilled that like it that's true. A, and at a room temperature, it'd be more liquid. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. it's got like shea butter or cocoa butter or something mm-hmm. in there. Yeah, I mean, also like gelatin does that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Shaggy's like Scooby, you don't don't eat stuff that glows. <laughs> Very good advice. Extremely good advice. And then he advice. immediately prese- uh, uh, proceeds to lick his hand, which is covered in stuff that glows. Yes, because he gives some another one. It's like, this one's probably an antidote. It smells medicinal. <laughs> uh, so this is where we get the Shaggy with a femme body scene. Scooby turns into a Tasmanian devil. Apparently, the original idea for this joke was that he was going to turn into cartoon Scooby, but they didn't oh. want the audience to compare the designs. Oh, okay. I can understand Fair. that. Fair. Uh, I will say, my God, it would have been so good to have cartoon Scooby here. I think the Tasmanian Devil joke is also pretty mm-hmm. good. 
Because like this was also around the same time as um, the Looney Tunes movies that had come Looney out. Tunes. Back in yeah, action, action being the main yeah. one. Because mm. um, both of the Scooby-Doo movies were referenced in Back in Action, where Scooby-Doo... Or, when Scooby-Doo and Shaggy are yelling at Matthew Lillard for doing a not as good job as they wanted him oh, to Oh, yeah, that's right! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're, like, mean about it, too. They're, like, yelling. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so, Shaggy drinks another one, splashes it on Scooby. Shaggy gets buff. Scooby becomes super intelligent and is like, Oh, I hate this. Yes! What a good take on uh, an animal character becoming super intelligent. Yeah, yeah, the complete like loss of like ignorance and being like, I am too aware of this situation and it's freaking me out, dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he starts mixing a potion to turn them back and Shaggy's like, no way, geek, and throws it into a wall. And then it explodes. And this is the explosion is loud enough for Fred, Velma, and Daphne to hear it, so they run off to go investigate, leaving Wiggles behind. Yeah. Uh, they find the transformed Shaggy and Scooby, and Scooby turns them back. The gang is upset with them for running off and doing their whole own secret side thing. Velma looks at the door that Shaggy and Scooby had found that's been blown open now, and reads the text above it, which reads... Beware who enters the monster's hive. Inside your fears will come alive. Love a warning that rhymes when translated from an ancient secret language. Yep, it's always great. It's always so good. Uh, So they go in and find the machine that turns the costumes into monsters. And they're like, hmm, this means the culprit must have had a pterodactyl ghost costume already. And Velma's like, well, then I guess it had to have been Patrick, right? He had access to the museum and all of the costumes. And Velma is just so... Because she, she's the one that's kind of putting this together. And her, fa- her face is just... She's heartbroken. She's so sad. She's absolutely devastated. It is jumping to conclusions, but you know what? I think it might be the insecurities talking. It's like, yeah. that's why he yeah. wanted to date me. Oh, I should have known. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a, like, oh, of course he wouldn't like me for me. He was just trying to use mm-hmm. me, which is an awful thing to think, but given the circumstances, I can see where she would get there. Mm-hmm. I imagine uh, for the gang, man, it must be really hard to make friends with people outside of their group. Because at any yeah. point, at any point, they could just become friendly with someone who's in the middle of a plot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, look at the movies. Shaggy and Scooby fell in love with aliens. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have a good track record. They don't. I mean, yeah, it's kind of no wonder that, like, the shows kind of go through iterations of, like, pairing the gang together in various ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so while they're in the monster room... Fred, Velma, and Daphne are like, hey, there's a red light over here. Let's go investigate. And Shaggy and Scooby are like, alright. We're doing good so far. (laughs) Let's check out this room and see what we can find. And they find the control panel and Shaggy presses a button and it makes some noises. DJ setup! Yes, and they freestyle over the the machine noises. (laughs) uh, As it continues to make every monster. 
Uh, so Fred Velma and Daphne come back in, and they see all of the monsters. And so Fred runs and disconnects the control panel and runs off with it, doing some very sick dodges. <laughs> and they run, and they get chased by the 10,000-volt ghost, and they end up splitting up. So Shaggy and Scooby can get chased by the skeleton men. Uh, so Shaggy and Scooby being chased by skeleton men. Fred Vell and Daphne get to the mystery machine and drive off. Uh, Shaggy and Scooby go hill sledding on trash can lids. <laughs> like this pipe's ripping Scoob. <laughs> and they go flying off a cliff. And land right into the side of the mystery machine as they open the door. Uh, so they can't go back to headquarters because of a... The monsters will look there first. And they're like, well, we got an idea. We can go somewhere else. Uh, meanwhile, Redbeard's ship flies over the city. And the masked men are like, masked man is like, hey, people of Coolsville, turn over Mystery Incorporated if you want to live. <laughs> and the tar monster is incredibly gross and starts choking people with his gross tentacles. Uh, anytime there's like goo and tentacles and stuff i'm just like i wonder no yeah definitely i know exactly where you're going with this and yes it's true i wonder if this awakens something in someone absolutely 100 percent yeah tar monster was almost the monster that i would have said that had should have stayed leashed but there are things that happen later that I really like, so I was like, well, zombie is also just gross. Yeah. Uh, Heather Howe's reporting on everything, and then the Black Knight's ghost is like, you're cancelled! <laughs> so the Black Knight's ghost has cancelled Heather Howe. Um, make sure that you're no longer following her on Twitter, <laughs> or else you will be cancelled as well. <laughs> Mystery Inc. heads back to their high school clubhouse. It's also got like a treehouse ladder and everything. Fred is kind of being like a little bit toxic masculinity type stuff going on. He's like, talking's for wimps. Scooby and Shaggy are sad that they've made the gang like this because everybody's like upset as they walk around. And then Fred sees an old picture of them as teens and has a flashback to playing Frisbee. The flashback is so It's cute. super cute. Velma like... had on a sweater and also tiny shorts. Yeah. I would not be mad if they decided to do a live-action pup named Scooby-Doo. It would be really cute. Well, this, this made me realize that. Like, I know they did, like, the the prequel movie. Like, um, so the prequel movies are probably closer to the age that they're supposed to be in this flashback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they seem kind of, like, high school-aged. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But just, like, seeing the younger versions of them in the flashback made me realize... I could really go for a live-action pup named Scooby-Doo, and or I should just re-watch pup named <laughs> Scooby-Doo, because that was one of my favorites back in the day. I will say it would never happen, because they, no, no. they oh, no. tend not to use children when it comes to, uh, like, that's the the tendency, is that anything mm-hmm. involving children is going to be very short. Yeah, a pup named Scooby Doo as an actual live action film would be, you know, flashbacks. Mm-hmm. And understandable because there's a lot of complications when it comes to child actors. Yeah, and it won't be live action, but it looks like Scooby is going to have some of that like, 
a little bit of the pup named stuff going right. on. I know. I'm so excited. I really, I really hope they they kind of do the newish, the newer trend where new movies that get released are also just going to be available on mm-hmm. digital. Yeah, that I, I would also like mm-hmm. that. I can't wait for Scoob. It's going to be so good. Here's open. Uh, so they after that they have a flash. Like they were like, oh, wait a minute, this old machine right here, <laughs> we can use it. To reverse the polarity of the neutron of... flow, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and if we plug it after we do all this stuff with the control panel, we can plug it back in, and it'll destroy every monster in the city at once. It's so ridiculous, but you know what? What the heck? Why not? It's it's like just that perfect level of like fake techno yeah. battle. It's so good. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And the game, then the gang has a montage of putting the control panel together without Shaggy and Scooby, and Shaggy and Scooby are like, "Oh no, they're totally having a montage." Yeah. In there. <laughs> and they're like, "Well, the only times they've ever done anything good is when we accidentally plow into the snow ghost because we glued rocket skates to our feet." <laughs> you know, eight stupid times. Yeah, that's speaking really of the funny. snow ghost. You go to page 45 here. <laughs> File number 69017. Nice. nice. There's a lot of those. Oh my gosh. Well, was it from the series that aired in 1969? Yeah, I think the the first two digits are the year and the last two digits are the episode of that Interesting. year. Interesting. Thought so. Which this would make it season one, episode 17. Beautiful. Uh, Snow Ghost. The eccentric hermit Fu Lan Chi once saw a yeti die in the mountains of Tibet. He has convinced the yeti's ghost has followed him all the way to Wolf End's Lodge, where Mystery Inc. is enjoying yet another ski vacation. (laughs) Yet Yet another. another. (laughs) The Snow Ghost has a nasty roar and bushy eyebrows resembling horns. It's scaring away all the tourists from Mr. Greenway's lodge except for the suspicious acting of Mr. Leech. Bad luck snowballs into a real snowball that smashes the evil skiing and reveals the snow ghost is just another ingenious costume criminal. Known as Milo Greenway. Snow wonder the, that Greenway was taking advantage of the Yeti legend to speak all the locals. Nice. With witnesses out of the way, he could use the old sawmill to hide his stolen swag of precious gems. Oh god. And that's the snow ghost. Nice. Uh, so they throw a rock into the water, and then Captain Cutler is like, "I'm here now." <laughs> and you know what? Maybe now's a good time to talk about Captain Cutler. <laughs> Let's do it. File number sixty nine zero zero three. Nice. Fact: This is an incorrect fact, but because um, it's no longer the only one. But the ghost of Captain Cutler is the only mystery Shaggy solves before Velma. That's not true. They do it a bunch later on. But the, but the encyclopedia only exists in the realm where it's like, oh, but the good old shows. And I'm getting off track because I hate it. <laughs> uh, at Rocky Point Beach, the scuba-suited spook soils Mystery Inc.'s groovy beach party and any chance of chocolate-covered hot dogs for Shaggy and Scoobs. Residents believe the captain... Sorry. The residents believe the glowing ghoul is the ghost of Captain Cutler, a long-dead seafarer who is also responsible for several boats stolen from a local marina. 
Turns out it was actually Captain Cutler. <laughs> At the graveyard of ships, Scooby and Mystery Inc. gang discover the underwater hideout of the true culprit, Captain Cutler himself. Alive and well, the captain would have gotten away with his boat stealing scam if not for those meddling kids. <laughs> He's just alive? Yeah, he was just alive and living underwater. Oh <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey! It's free real estate! Uh, so, the gang all jumps into the van to leave, and Velma has to finish the control panel modifications on the road. But they can't escape too quickly because Captain Cutler harpoons the van, and Fred has to throw it in reverse to run him over and head out again. Uh, Shaggy says that this is tied for the most terrifying day of his <laughs> life. Tied with every other freaking day of my life. It's such a good line. <laughs> uh, Fred puts it in cruise control and tells Shaggy to take the wheel because the pterodactyl ghost is showing up and is attacking them. Uh, he opens up. The, Fred opens up the back and uses the blowtorch that he had for the mechanical stuff to just shoot fire. Um, and then eventually. Shaggy shows back up, and they're like, wait, if you're back here, then who's driving? And Scooby's just sitting next to the wheel. <laughs> if you're right here, then who's out there? It really, really is that YouTube food. <laughs> well, what I want to know is, who's driving? <laughs> um, so at this point, Scooby takes over the wheel as the pterodactyl ghost tries to rip the carpeting out of the van. The zombie is driving a semi-truck after them. So now's a good time, because I think this is almost a wrap on zombie. Talk about the zombie. Ooh, it's not on the page that this book said it was on, so let me look again. There is a very good moment when Scooby is about to take over the wheel where he kind of does a smoothing his hair back motion. Uh, smoothing his ears back. Because he's very nervous. Mm. He has obviously never driven before. Presumably. Hey, guess what? This uh, this book's also wrong again. Oh. In that it, it said, oh, zombie. It's going to be page 18. Or 118. And that's the start of the zombie section. But I don't even see the zombie in... Oh, here it is. Zombie itself is actually on page 122. Ugh. Wow. Zombies, file number 80017, uh, worked alongside the witch. While taking, shag while taking a shaggy shortcut through Swamp's End, this linking, moaning, lantern-wielding zombie greens Mystery Incorporated upon their arrival. But if this zombie is after brains, Sha Scooby and Shaggy are probably safe. Valma, not so much. Luckily, this zombie isn't after brains. In fact... He's Zeke Perkins, part of a brainless plan to scare away passersby and uncover a lost armored car. And that's zombie. Um, so they they manage to get escape all of that monster stuff, and they pull into the mine again. Um, and the Black Knight is there, and Fred's like, "All right, I'll stay." And then Bon Jovi starts playing, so he can get on a bike to joust the knight. I and I'm entirely positive that they picked this song just because Bon Jovi says the line on a steel horse I ride. I love this moment. Absolutely. I love this moment. I got to this moment and I had actually forgotten it and I was like, "Oh my god, it was so delightful." Because it takes it so really See the thing is, 
the thing I really love is that it kind of takes itself seriously at the same time that it's tongue-in-cheek. That's yeah. what I yeah. love about this whole movie, is that it's so ridiculous, but it's just like, yeah, we're ridiculous, so what? We're having fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a moment where Fred uh, like rolls his shoulder. Like, it's so serious-looking. Because he was jousting. But I'm like, this is so ridiculous. And I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also puts his ascot on very dramatically. Yes! For the first time. Oh, yeah. Ever. Yes! Oh, yeah. Uh, and Daphne has to stay after everybody else leaves because she has to fight the 10,000 volt ghost. <laughs> so let's talk about the 10,000 volt ghost. <laughs> gonna be on page 72 hopefully nope page 74 i may have just written it on the wrong one that time file number 76004 the gang's on their way to Winterhaven, home of a mountainous ski resort and a herbie's hamburger place where scooby and shaggy plan to devour their 50 millionth hamburger but when they arrive Winterhaven is a ghost town make that a 10,000 volt ghost town this electrified phantoms put out the power in any chance of a double cheeseburger. A handful of soundflower seeds leads the Scooby-Doo Crime Stoppers to a pet store and a stool perch pigeon or parrot, who helps unmask the real culprit, a power plant worker by the name of Mister Voltner. Of course. <laughs> Along with the mayor, this worker used the ten thousand volt ghost to scare away locals to buy land on the cheap. What a shock! <laughs> Also, the whole uh, plot element of, like, I'll stay behind while you all go ahead to do the big important task always reminds me of the season one finale of Sailor Moon. But it's also all the girls staying behind to die. So I'm just like, oh, so they're doing the, the Sailor Moon season one finale like thing. I hope it goes better for them than it did for the girls. <laughs> uh, Zaphne gets zapped by the ghost and flies over to Fred as he and the knight knock each other off of their respective rides. Fred learns that it's okay to feel things and talk about it. And Velma gives and then Velma gives Shaggy and Scooby the control panel because they're faster than her and so she can distract the skeleton men who are up ahead. And then gives them a pep talk about not being screw-ups. You're never afraid to be yourselves, which is what makes you heroes all along. It's honestly super cute. It really is. Um, So then Shaggy and Scooby get chased by Minor 49er, while Velma gets chased by the Skeleton Men. And Daphne has to be subtle for some reason about a jumper cable. It's just funny. Yeah, so this is the first time I've watched this movie and figured out that's what those lines are about. (laughs) (laughs) There is no reason, is there? Nope. What I love about it, what I really love about it, is that um, I don't remember her exact lines, but she's talking about Fred wearing a jumper, and Fred is like, I wore a jumper? (laughs) Yeah, we used to watch Cable. So silly. Um, so they take the jumper cable and it's headed to a pipe that Daphne then spears through the 10k volt ghost. Um, and Fred attaches the other end to the night and they shock each other and explode. 
Uh, it's actually pretty brilliant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shaggy and Scooby use a fart to reverse the miner's flame breath. Velma falls and loses her glasses <laughs> accidentally. Uh, and finds a shrine to the pterodactyl ghost in Jonathan Jacoba. Where Patrick just shows up yeah. and hands her her glasses. This is also part of the reason why I just thought that Patrick's was like Jacobo's kid or something. Yeah. Patrick corners her and is like, oh, I'm trying to solve the mystery, aren't you? And she runs off and Patrick follows and they end up in the monster room where Velma almost falls through the catwalk. But Patrick catches her and is like, I need you to trust me that I can pull you up. And then... He pulls her up and then has to push her out of the way again because the pterodactyl ghost is there and grabs him. We don't ever see what happens to him after this. Like, we'll see him again yeah. later, but we don't know how he gets there. Yeah, he's <laughs> just set up to look like the villain. So yeah, he's taken by the pterodactyl ghost. Oh, wait, hold on. I almost forgot to talk about Minor 49er. Oh. Minor 49er. File number 69004. After a wrong turn, the mystery machine ends up in Gold City. The once booming mining town is now a ghost town, literally. The ghost of this 150 year old miner, Minor 49er, has frightened off all of the residents and tourists, but Mystery Inc. won't scare that easily. Well, at least not before Scooby Doo has eaten all of his Scooby snacks. Deep inside the old mine, Scooby-Doo and the gang discover the miner's true identity, a crusty old innkeeper named Hank. After discovering the oil, Hank wanted Gold City and all the oil profits to all to himself. FYI, that's a Scooby-Dooby-Don't. And that's Miner 49. Nice. Um... Fred and Daphne show up and are like, hey, Velma, where's the control panel? And she's like, I gave it to Shaggy and Scooby. And they're like, oh, I thought for a second you said you gave it to Shaggy and Scooby. Meanwhile, Shaggy and Scooby run into the cotton candy glob. (laughs) So the cotton candy glob was actually reworked a different Scooby-Doo villain. Uh, the villains known as the Green Globs. Um, so there was two of them. They were green. They were made out of candy, not just cotton candy. And now it's just one cotton candy monster. File number 73003, the Green Globs. The mystery machine is driving through a strange part of town because Fred got lost again. Something loud bumps on top of the van. It's a caramel bar with a key stuck inside and a message for help. <laughs> The owner of a candy factory is trapped by two neon green globs of living candy. The gang uses the key to get inside the factory, but the owner has disappeared. Trapdoors, weaponized taffy, and the two flying globs turn the sugar plum candy factory sour by the hour. Turns out it was Sterling Smith and Mr. Crink, bank robbers who are covering gold bars with candy coating and shipping their luscious loot out of town. Their green rubber suits are only one disguise. There's an extra disguise, too. When the meddling kids finally wrap things up, they put the crooks behind bars made of steel, not chocolate. Mm. Um, the green globs are sour apple colored skin. Mm. I thought for a second it said sour apple flavored, and I was like, oh. Interesting fact. <laughs> That's the cotton candy glob. Interesting. Mm-hmm. 
uh, Scooby and Shaggy are delighted by this turn of events. They're so happy. Uh, they proceed to eat the monster. Yes, they eat him alive. Um, and they triumphantly ride down the elevator. And Shaggy's like, now is there a liter-sized soda glob anywhere? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the rest of the monsters are already in the monster room, and Fred's like, oh, dang it, I was hoping this wouldn't happen. Uh, so they run in, Fred has the control panel, gets caught in some tar, throws it at Daphne, who also gets caught in some tar, and then over to Velma, who also gets caught in some tar, and then over to Shaggy, who ends up getting cornered before getting caught in tar. <laughs> the rest of the monsters aren't really doing anything. No. Right? They're just there. Uh... Scooby watches as everyone else starts being choked to death. Yeah. And then bumps into a fire extinguisher, which he uses to free the tar around, freeze the tar around Shaggy's chest, and then breaking it so Shaggy can move his arms again. And then skates across the tar while freezing it with the fire extinguisher, pants the zombie, and is almost to the center, so Shaggy throws the control panel, and Scooby grabs it out of the air just before the pterodactyl ghost comes in and gets stuck in the tar monster uh and then he plugs it in and the masked man's like you can't do this to me who do you think you are scooby dooby doo and then all of the monsters turn into mist and costumes um and the tar monster does it in a very gross way that like i always see every time that's like the one my brain focuses yeah, on it was disgusting yeah he, like, inverts his body through his mouth, and then his eyeball flies up yeah. in the air. It's bad. Uh, and the creepy mask guy falls through that part of the catwalk that Velma fell through and then gets caught on it. <laughs> um, and then Coolsville's news teams show up at the mine, and it's daytime now. Yeah. yeah. They're like, well, who's who's the man in the mask? And they're like, well, if our hunch is correct, it's Heather, Heather Jasper Howell. Well, but what about the masked man being on the roof when she was there before? Well, that would be Ned, her partner. Why? Well, she's actually... Jonathan Jacobo! You see, he was in a photo in front of the museum a year after he supposedly died. (laughs) He's, like, very prominently in that photo, too, which is, like, (laughs) weird. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Wickles is there and is still mad about my fair lady. And the tater tots. <laughs> and they're like, and Ned is actually Ned. <laughs> yeah, oh Fred. He calls them meddling punks and their dumb dog. Velma trusts Patrick and comes clean about her feelings and such. Shaggy has his photo taken while wearing the cutler helmet and Scooby attacks him. And the crowd's all excited. And happy, and Scooby says Scooby Dooby Doo, and it cuts a, a dance sequence in the faux ghost, and all of the actors are dancing. Mm-hmm. It's a very 2000s ending sequence, it feels like. Yeah. I feel like yeah. that. Uh, we have some deleted scenes. But yes, I feel ahead. like that kind of thing happened a lot in the 2000s. Also, it's it's got a cameo from Ruben Stutter, the American Idol winner, who won his season and then proceeded to like disappear from the public. Yeah, I feel like this would have been the only other thing he did. 
Yeah, it's only he obviously made music for a little bit, but he, yeah, it's funny. The runner up from his season had a much bigger career and lost to Ruben. I feel like that happened a lot in a lot of American Idol. It's it's very, very strange. That's because that record companies can offer a cheaper deal to the runners up. Oh. Yeah. Probably, if I had to Honestly, I bet you're 100% right. Uh, So here are some deleted scenes. We have a scene where Shaggy learns how magnifying glasses work. It's like, it makes everything bigger. And I see that you have fleas, and that I have fleas. We need to go to the vet. And then they split up. Uh, There's a scene where Scooby bites his own tail. There's a very good scene that I wish was still in there. Where, like, we see more of the costumes, like the space kook. Um, speaking of the space kook, real quick. <laughs> File number 69014. Nice. nice. When Mystery Machine runs out of gas near, near an abandoned airfield, Scooby and the gang come face to face with the spooky space kook, a flashing skeleton skulled, wickedly laughing alien. Rutro, he's been haunting the airfield and nearby farmhouses, scaring residents away. But Scooby and Shaggy don't scare easily, at least not when there are special jaw stretcher j- sandwiches on the line. In fact, the gang soon discovers the alien footprints are nothing more than phosphorus dipped rubber boot tracks made by this neighboring farmer, Henry Bascombe, who helped to purchase the airfield's land on the cheap. Good plan, bad result. That's the last of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so look, we see the space scoop costume, and <laughs> a hand slowly creeps up behind a security guard on duty listening to music, and he gets shocked, <laughs> and it's another security guard, and they have a shock fight where they both start rubbing their feet on the carpet around the museum. Oh, God. Um, and then we see the ten thousand volt ghost show up. Um. Which, this would have been good because, as is, they like made a point of saying, ah, yes, the Black Knight and 10,000 Volt Ghost suits were stolen at the beginning, and then we don't see the 10,000 Volt Ghost until after everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so then the, the ghost shows up with the knight, and they both steal costumes and kill the security guards. Oh, God. Uh, another scene, Velma makes a joke about looking for giant ears when she throws a rock at the skeleton men and hits them in the eyes. <laughs> and then the skeleton men chase her and turn into a gatling gun that shoot her outline into a wall with bones <laughs> uh, and the last deleted scene that I found was Shaggy and Scooby having a heart to heart about being there for each other and they split their last Scooby snack halves and they say I love you before running into five, Niner 49er and it's a really nice touch because it's kind of an opposite of the speech and the the promise that they make at the beginning of the movie where you know they're talking about how like we need to we need to stop sucking we need to start you know you know getting our act together and start um you know like trying hard to be real detectives and it kind of just kind of like you know we always try our best and that's why everyone loves us even if we are screw up we don't screw ups we don't suck at least mm-hmm. and on top of that there's also like this is that would be the only instance of a Scooby snack in this yeah. movie. Yeah. All right. Um, 
But yeah, so what did everybody think of the movie? I thought it was very It's good. delightful. So I hadn't seen this movie in a very long time, and I had only seen it once. And I really didn't remember much of it other than random clips that I had seen online, like the, you know, Fred saying something and then it getting taken out of contact. That got passed all around a lot on Tumblr it for did. some reason. Because it is genuinely funny. It's basically Tumblr. I, That's why I yeah. got passed around. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, But, like, watching this, I was like, I don't remember why I didn't like this movie so much. But watching it, I was like, this is awesome. This, If we're going to start comparing it to things, I think this is better than the other live action movie. I think so, too. It's just plain yeah, fun. Well, speaking of which, yeah, that's actually the first comparison that we have to make, because Scooby-Doo 2002 is in the middle of our list right yeah. now. Um, oh, wow. Still? Yep. Um, so I, I, we, I think I, it's definitely better than the first one. Agreed. So how does it compare to the prequel, Scooby-Doo The Mystery Begins? Hmm. I want to say it's better. Okay. I do too. I think it's a more solid story. And obviously it had more Scooby. Yeah, I think that's like the big yeah. difference is they both have similar energies, but this one has a little bit more like, goofiness mm-hmm. to it, I want to yeah. say. Mm-hmm. Alright, so in that case, how does this compare to Chill Out Scooby-Doo? It's so funny. That was literally the last ep- the last episode, and I do not remember it. <laughs> I remember it. I just I don't remember why we put it up at number three. <laughs> like it was. It was good. good. I have not listened to that episode. That's all right. I'm sorry. I want to say it's not as good. Okay. Yeah, this one doesn't have Del Chillman. If this had a real life Del Chillman <laughs> in it, I would be ecstatic. <laughs> I mean, obviously it wouldn't, because Del Chillman didn't exist yet, I don't uh, think. I don't think so. Let me look at the list. When did Chill, Chill Out Scooby-Doo come out? No. Yeah, uh, Del Chillman was in the movie that came out, like, a um, couple of months after uh. this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so if it's not as good, then how does it compare to Cyber Chase? I think we have to compare the electricity monsters. In order to determine. Well, I think the 10,000 volt ghost makes more sense to the electricity monster than the cyber chase yeah. ghost did. Yeah. I agree. Agreed. Alright, and finally, how does this compare to Scooby-Doo, Where's My Mummy? That had an ancient Egyptian curse and Velma playing a trick on everyone. I like Where's My Mummy better. Hmm. I think I agree. So coming in at our new number five, which is a pretty good place mm-hmm. to put it, all wow. things considered, yeah. is Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed. The monsters, are... they were real. <laughs> monsters mm-hmm. are real. Turned out all you needed was unobtainium to make them real. And with that, we have now reached the 55% mark, 56% rounding up Jeez. of all Scooby-Doo movies ever released. Oh, wow. Gosh. What an achievement. Yep. 
here's to another several years, to be quite honest. Yeah, absolutely. Plus two every year? Yeah. Yeah. That's where it's at. So the list as it stands is, from the bottom, Monster of Mexico, Scooby-Doo and the Reluctant Werewolf, Scooby-Doo meets the Blue Brothers, Scooby goes Hollywood, Scooby-Doo and Arabian Nights, Alien Invaders, Loch Ness Monster, Legend of the Vampire, Aloha Scooby-Doo, WrestleMania Mystery, Zombie Island, Music of the Vampire, Scooby-Doo 2002, Mask of the Blue Falcon, Pirates Ahoy, Moon Monster Madness, Ghoul School, Sonic the Hedgehog 2020, Scooby-Doo the Mystery Begins, Pokemon Detective Pikachu, Cyber Chase, Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed, Where's My Mummy, Chill Out Scooby-Doo, Goblin King, and then Witch's Ghost. Woo! (laughs) I like how my previous movies were like the dead middle. At least this one got to be a lot higher. That makes me happy. I have I have made a list of the rest of the movies we have and which ones are open and such. So <laughs> you're always welcome to come yeah. back. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, speaking of Crash, would you like to plug things? Um, my online presence has been pretty quiet recently. Um, things have been pretty busy in my life. They're going to continue to be busy. Uh, keep an eye on twitter.com slash crashingways14 and maybe also twitch.tv slash crashingways14. I don't know. I, I, I told Cassidy once I got uh, stable internet again that I would be doing a certain Sonic game on stream, but yes, I have not been yes, too. Yes, yes, yes. I've not been too impressed with the internet speed here, so I don't know how well that will be with streaming, but uh, honestly, I won't know until I try, so <laughs> get back to me on that. Hmm. The real thing you need to check is your upload speed. Yeah, yeah. So, Lava, how about you? You can find me on Twitter at LavaBees, L-A-V-A-B-E-E-S. And you can find me on Twitter at MadLobotanist. That's M-A-D-L-O-B-O-T-A-N-I-S-T. Um, I'll be tweeting about Final Fantasy XIV every now and then. You should play Final Fantasy XIV with me. And me! There's so much fishing to do. Hey, Cass, we can go ocean fishing at 10 o'clock. We can. Excellent. Um, so... Uh, you can also listen to another podcast I do, Grid Curve Podcast Engage, at Prepod Engage on Twitter, where we talk about Ben 10. <laughs> <laughs> and also the entire Pretty Cure franchise, uh, with it's me and Charlie. <laughs> Crash is here, so I will plug, hey, let's talk about it. Um, an episode of that will be out eventually. Now that you have a little bit more stable situation, maybe we should finally talk about how we're going to redo that. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely open for it. And that's it. Uh, the show you can find on Twitter at Kids and Their Dog, um, and there's also another Twitter at Doctor Damn. What is it? 
Dr. Damn podcast? Was that I, think, the... I think that's what it was. <laughs> that's just the that's just a backup of all of the April Fool's Day stuff we did. Um Nice. Unless we do something else with it later, but I have no current plans. No. <laughs> it exists. It exists. If for any reason you ever need to find a episode of the show that's not on your podcast feed for any reason, one, let me know and I'll see what I can do to fix it. And also, it'll always be available at kids or WordPress, kids and their dog dot wordpress dot com. Uh, we do not have a domain for that yet. Uh, speaking of domain stuff, uh, we also have patreon.com slash kids and their dog where you can give us money to give you things like a shout out on the show. Such as we do, we'll do for James. Thank you, James. Thank you, James. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Charlie. Thanks, Charlie. Thank you, Tanner. Thank you, Tanner. Thank you, Tanner. Thank you, and Tess. Thank you, Tess. Thank you, Tess. Thank you. Um, but this has been—we've done two years of this show, and it's very good to that people listen to it. I like that people listen to it more so than I like that people give us money for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At one dollar a month, you get a shout out on the show and episodes early. At five dollars a month, you get bonus episodes such as the Kids and Their Dog Book Club and other stuff. Maybe I'll. I thought I had an idea. What if I did a Scooby Doo trivia thing? Ooh, ooh. Um, and at thirty-five dollars a month, you'll get the podcast on a CD, which no one will ever take us up on that offer, but it's there if you want to. <laughs> If we hit $50 a month, we'll start doing podcasts on cartoon series starting with 13 Ghosts, but who knows, maybe we'll change that. Um, at $100 a month, Kids and Their Dice becomes a monthly actual play bonus podcast. I'm going to reward that. I said it last time, but I don't think it would be monthly. I think it would be we record all of it, and then as soon as it comes out, it comes out. Yeah. Boy, oh boy, this podcast rocks. A five-star review from Innocent Lily via Apple Podcasts. Oh. Two enthusiastic hosts talking about one of my favorite things. This is a recipe for success. Cassidy and Lava, along with the occasional guest host, are taking us through all of Scooby-Doo's movies and ranking them in a list sort of way. So maybe I'm not the best at reviews, but I like to think I have good taste in podcasts, especially ones about things I like. Listen in, why don't you? Thank you very much for leaving a review. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry that I did not see it sooner. <laughs> um... But yeah, um, I think that's all of the stuff that we need to talk about. Um, I just want to say again, thank you very much for listening to the show and being here over this wild ride of two years. Yeah, it's been so much fun. Yeah, it's just a fun time. Yeah, I remember when Cass was uh, in the planning stages for this show, and I was like, I cannot think of a better podcast that the market needs right now <laughs> than this show you've got to do. <laughs> and here we are halfway through it, um, which is a dangerous thing to think about anytime <laughs> I think about it. Um, but yeah, let me take another sip of my drink. Here's to you. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Congrats on two years again. Tink. Thank you. Tink. Uh, so we'll be back next month with an episode on Scooby-Doo and the Samurai Sword, unless something very extreme happens and they release Scoob early or on digital or whatever, and then I'll have to talk to people and reschedule things because, like, of course I'm going to cover Scoob as soon as it comes out. Are you yeah. kidding me? Absolutely. 
unless it comes out in theaters, in which case I won't. No. Mm. Ah, so until next time, they would have gotten away with it too. If it weren't for us meddling punks. Goodbye. Goodbye.